I'm speaking with Diane Morell, and she's the Regional Services Coordinator for the Canadian Paraplegic Association in Ontario out of Sault Ste. Marie. Welcome, Diane. Hi, thank you. Now, I found out about what you do because I heard from another person, um, a colleague of yours, um, about something called Freedom at, at Depth Canada. Freedom at Depth Canada. And it was it came out of the fact that I wrote about my problem with losing some of my hearing, which I got back when I was doing scuba diving, the very first time I did an open water scuba diving. And I talked about that, you know, I talked about the whole notion of disabilities. And so this other fellow wrote back and said that he uh, was a scuba diver. And when I was asking about a little more, it was suggested that you could actually talk to me about your experiencing uh, your experience with scuba diving. And so I'm, I'm quite thrilled to, to hear about that. Now, just to set it up, I'm actually looking at the website, and it's called Freedom at Depth Canada. That's D-E-P-T-H. And that's um, www.freedomatdepth.ca. Um, freedom and one of the things that I thought was really interesting is the mission. It says, our mission is simple, to train people with disabilities to the point where they have the ability and the confidence to participate in scuba diving, a sport many people, including many people with disabilities, think out of reach. And to me, that's exactly what I thought, which is that's not something that I would expect people to be doing when they've got a disability. Was that a surprise yeah. to you? Yeah, um, it, it wasn't really a surprise. I, I always knew that uh, scuba diving for, for people with disabilities was a possibility. Um, it wasn't uh, a sport that was familiar to me prior to my, my acquiring a disability. However, um, since having this disability, I've, I've learned um, more often than not um, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, adaptive sport and all adaptive sport is exactly that. It's adapted to fit the participant and the participant's abilities and disabilities. So um, as far as I know, there's almost no sport that hasn't been adapted in some way so that people with disabilities can participate. And so what's the adaptation that you need for uh, for you and um, and perhaps you can explain your disability as well. Sure, um, I I have a spinal cord injury, um, paraplegia, as a result of a, a tobogganing accident hmm. uh, 22 years ago. So I use a, a manual wheelchair for all mobility. Um, I'm not able to stand or walk whatsoever. And uh, as far as as scuba diving goes. Um, it, it meant for me, and especially with Freedom at Depth, that I was working with someone who was familiar with um, working with and teaching people with disabilities how to scuba dive. So a lot of the bugs had been worked out, so to say. Um, you know, they, they had um, a general idea of, of, based on my disability, what adaptive scuba diving should look like and how it would work and what kind of equipment um, works best for, for people with my type and level of, of disability. Uh, so it means that I, I use a particular uh, BCD that has the, uh, has the pockets placed in it in, in the most appropriate way to, to 
be able to accommodate my style of underwater swimming. Um, Sorry, you said a, a DCD? DCD, so a buoyancy control device. All right. And that's the, that's the vest that uh, uh, all divers use to control their buoyancy under the water. Um, uh, for, for those that do dive um, and, and for those that don't currently dive, um, a vest is needed to be worn. And as you, you descend under the water, you have to add air into your vest to compensate for the fact that the water is causing so much pressure. Um, and if you weren't able to add air to your vest, you would sink like a stone because it gets compressed the further down that you go. Um, so um, in my BCD, uh, it has the air pockets placed in it. Um, there's more pockets into the shoulders rather than at the back so that I'm able to stay in the upright position a little bit easier. And that's just a, a piece of equipment or, or a certain kind of equipment that the instructor has learned uh, this type works best for people with disabilities to help with the balance underwater. And so um, is it um, an arduous process? Is it a difficult process for you to um, get your vest on or get into the boat or get into the water? What's involved for you? Well, it, uh, it certainly means almost right from the get-go that, uh, that some level of assistance is needed. Um, depending upon your, your type of disability, you may need more or less assistance. Um, almost everyone with a disability uh, requires some assistance to get the gear on, to get into a boat, or to get into the water, or to get out of the water um, because of, of some of the physical limitations of, of being able to do that. Um, and it's a very... Um, it, diving is, is the kind of sport that you rely on your buddy um, for, for anybody, whether able-bodied or people with disabilities. You rely on your buddy. This becomes a very special relationship with your buddy in that your buddy is there to assist you. But, you know, make no mistake about it. The diver with a disability is as capable a diver as any because the buddy is doing um, those things that are being directed by the diver with a disability. So if I'm asking my buddy, um, can you get my, my BCD and bring it to me and bring me the tank and then I'll get it set up. You know, they're able to provide that physical assistance that I'm not able to do, but I'm doing as much as I can or I'm directing my buddy how to, um, how to help me. But he's doing, he's doing exactly as I'm directing him, much the same as, as an attendant and a person with a disability directing their care. It's very much that kind of a, a relationship. So what's it like for you to be in the water and, and, and more specifically to be underwater diving? Well, um, as I tell people that um, diving is, is far less like swimming and much more like what I could envision uh, being an astronaut is like. Um, a lot of people will say to me, oh, well, you know what, I don't like swimming. I, uh, you know, I just, I just don't see the point. I'm not able to move very well in the water, so I'm, I'm not really interested. And then I tell them that it's, it's far less like swimming and more like being an astronaut because under the water, when you're at depth and 
you're under the water, what uh, muscle control that you do have moves so easily in the water because there's no resistance. You haven't got the, the lead weights of gravity pulling you down. So those movements that you're able to do move so easily in the water. And when you're in the water at depth and you're, you're looking at things, you're so easily able to control um, where you want to go and exactly what you want to look at as compared to being land-bound um, and, and restricted by some of the physical environment that we have. Um, you know, not being able to get exactly to the place that you'd really like to go to see uh, maybe a particular flower on the beach or maybe you're a rock collector and, and, and you, you, you would like to be able to go mountain climbing and, and seeing rocks. Some of those things are, are very difficult to do when you're land-bound, um, but in the water you're able to move so freely. So what are you usually using then? Without, without sounding stupid on my part, when, I'm, when I did my one and only dive, of course, uh, a lot of my movement was from my, um, my legs with my, uh, with my flippers. Do you right. have flippers on? I don't. I don't. Um, I'm not able to, to kick at all. So flippers, while they, they might look great in the water for myself, it really doesn't serve any functional purpose. So I don't use flippers, um, but I do use my hands to to move through the water. Uh, so it, you know, in that way, I am I'm basically doing the breath stroke uh, to move around. But then it's also my my breath that can control uh, my depth. So if I want to go up a few feet, go down a few feet, uh, I'll also use my breath. So it's it's using your hands. Some people have modified, um, I guess, paddles that they're able to wear on their hands to swim. Some people use um, the webbed gloves to help as well. Um, it, just, it just depends upon personal preference and, and ability in the water. For those people, um, say, say people with um, quadriplegia or people who have uh, cerebral palsy or other forms of disabilities that affect their upper body strength and their upper body mobility, um, your buddy will swim for you. So your buddy will, uh, will hold on to your tank and swim with you, and, and your buddy is then there to, to be the physical force behind the swimming. And, of course, the person with the disability is controlling their breathing, uh, so they're controlling their buoyancy as well through their breathing, and your buddy is, is the one that's putting air into your BCD, um, you know, uh, holding your nose to, to, um, to equalize your ears or clear your mask. Um, your buddy has a, a greater role if you're not able to, uh, to swim through the water. So what has been your experience? Where have you been and what um, interesting things have you seen when you're, when you're in the water? Well, I, uh, I learned uh, my, my scuba diving in, uh, in Gatineau, uh, so um, certainly at the Freedom at Depth uh, facility, that's where I took my lessons, were in the pool, um, and then uh, one of the favorite spots uh, for the instructor to take people is uh, in Brockville. So you go into the St. Lawrence, and there's many, many interesting um, wrecks to see there and, and some very interesting underwater geography. So I do quite a bit of diving in that area. 
because I'm diving with people who are familiar with diving with people with disabilities and, and how to assess. Um, I've also gone on a trip to uh, Bonaire, which is a small island off the um, north uh, shore of, of uh, South America. Uh, it's the ABC Islands, and that was fabulous because the coral and the tropical fish were just incredible. Um, and this past year, I went to uh, the Bahamas and did a shark dive, and that was very exciting. <laughs> and, and I trust you didn't get bitten. I didn't get bitten. I came back with all of my digits. <laughs> it was uh, it was an incredible experience. Um, you know, to think that you can be in the water and be so close to sharks um, and and be safe and to realize that um, uh, quite often, not, not always, of course, but quite often that the sharks are a very misunderstood creature and to be able to um, see that and experience that firsthand was, was absolutely incredible. That's wonderful. And who who introduced you to this, or how did you find out about um, about um, welcome? Or sorry, to Freedom at Depth Canada. Uh, one of my one of my coworkers had taken uh, lessons about a year or maybe two years uh, before before I did, and uh, she told me all about it and how it worked and and uh, you know who to go to 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 get lessons, um, and I had inquired locally many years ago, probably about 10 years ago, about scuba diving. Um, but a local instructor was very hesitant uh, to teach me and, and you know, really had some very serious concerns about it. And, and so I was never able to follow up with the lessons locally. But then when my coworker told me about uh, the possibilities of, of taking lessons, I, I jumped right on it. And so I've been diving now for, this will be my third summer. Wonderful. When, when you said that the other instructor was reluctant, um, was that legitimate reluctance because he or she didn't have the capabilities or the, let's say, any kind of specialized equipment that you talked about? Or, or was this something that the person just had sort of an obstacle thinking you could do this? I, I think it was um, a, a little bit of both. Uh, this particular instructor did not have the expertise to uh, to train someone uh, with a disability to to learn to scuba dive. Uh, so not having had the training uh, and not knowing uh, or not being comfortable with uh, teaching with people people with disabilities was was certainly a barrier. Um, there's also uh, another thing which which may be in play for this particular instructor. And it's certainly an attitude that I've, I've run across, um, and it always surprises me, um, but that there are some people that believe that people with disabilities should not be doing certain activities, that it is not safe for certain people to be doing certain things. And um, certainly part of my philosophy and, and, and part of CPA Ontario's philosophy is that um, we are all uh, capable uh, independent thinking adults who are able to make choices for ourselves and um, sometimes those independent choices include having the right to risk. Uh, able-bodied people have the right to risk and it's never questioned in, in their life. 
they're, you know, able-bodied people are, are able to do uh, all kinds of sports which may be considered risk-taking and uh, it's never questioned. But when a person with a disability wants to um, be involved in something that could be perceived as, as having a risk included, um, you know, paternalistic attitudes come out and say, well, I don't think you should be doing this. And, um, and I have a problem with that attitude, and, and so certainly does our, uh, our organization as well. Well, it's rather timely that we're having this conversation today because in the front page of uh, the Globe and Mail, I'm reading an article about this fellow, Daniel Kish, who um, has something called echolocation. He's blind, and he rides a bike, amongst other things, because he gives out these little clicking sounds. He, he did that from a kid. And he has these little clicking sounds that he gives out, and so it's a little bit like radar or like a bat he even talks about. And he's actually doing work at the University of Western Ontario. And, and again, that's the kind of stuff in which, you know, for myself, I'm just thinking, really? And, and lots of times we just, w w yeah, I, I, think, I think what you're talking about is just so real because it's just so easily with this paternalistic attitude of someone like myself is, oh, you know, I don't want you to get any more injured. I don't want you to get hurt. And you're smart. You can figure out what risks you're willing to take. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, if if we didn't already have an injury, nobody would be questioning it. And as independent, capable adults, um, you know, quite often that is the attitude that comes across is that, well, you know, um, I know better than you because, uh, you know, you shouldn't be taking these kinds of risks. So really, it's kind of like I've heard many times before, your greatest obstacle is what's going on in my head. Is that right? Quite often, um, I will say that uh, the, only, the only barrier out there is people's attitudes. And, and sometimes those attitudes come from um, able-bodied people towards uh, people with disabilities. And sometimes those attitudes come from the people with disabilities themselves. Um, you know, when someone acquires a disability, I find that quite often they may not have had any positive experiences with people with disabilities prior to acquiring their own disability. And, and so when this happens to them, they feel very much that uh, they are then not capable or not able. Um, and they develop an attitude of, of can't do, um, which, which is part of my role at CPA Ontario, is to help people to realize that that's simply not the truth and that people are capable and there is so much more that they're able to do um, if they will just allow themselves to, to think that it is possible. So as opposed to becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, you have to change even sometimes the, the mind of the person who has the disability themselves. Absolutely. So Absolutely. without putting you out on a limb on this, um, and, and certainly without naming names, can you think about maybe um, one, of the, one of the biggest frustrations that you get from people, uh, whether it's an example or just sort of a, um, a, a trend of a frustration that, that you get on a regular basis for having a disability? I think I think it's probably uh, that attitude when um, when people will will see me and assume that um, 
that I am the person that they see on the outside without looking a little bit closer um, to realize that, uh, you know, my disability and, and my wheelchair is only part of the package. You know, it's part of the visible package, but it's really, it really doesn't define me. Um, I love no- nothing better than um, busting attitudes, you know, and changing minds and um, letting people know that um, despite what you, you may see or what you may perceive, um, that I'm, I'm far more capable than, uh, than what may appear, you know, right off the bat. Well, then I, I presume that it can't all be, um, well, it's not all negative, because so, I was just asking about those, but have you ever been positively surprised from a person or from people in the way that they... Um, the way they treat you or, or, or aspects of work or life? Absolutely. Um, you know, as much as, as sometimes uh, we can all dwell on the, on the negative, uh, I have seen such incredible kindness and uh, incredible helpfulness from perfect strangers. Um, you know, getting into your car, someone just going by will say, you know, is there something I can do to help? Um, or in the grocery store, or people think nothing of, of holding open a door or, um, you know, helping you out with your groceries. So from, from perfect strangers, people are wonderful. They're willing to help. They're willing to extend a hand, and I think that's uh, fabulous. Um, I also see incredible kindness from, uh, from, from groups like Freedom at Death, um, they really, really enjoy being able to help people to discover their full potential. Um, and most sport groups organize themselves that way as well, whether it's um, adaptive downhill skiing, whether it's adaptive water skiing, whether it's um, basketball, um, sledge hockey. There are people out there who... who enjoy so much being able to help someone to to achieve everything that they can be and they do it from their heart and they do it with the um the utmost of of respect for people and so when some people maybe get mixed messages about uh, when can you help someone or what are the words you can say i suppose for the most part as long as people are coming from a good place then most persons with disability will take it as such, and they can just either say no thanks or yes. In fact, uh, you know, I can use I can use some assistance, something along those lines. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I my personal philosophy is that I, I try not to get hung up on um, political correctness, because as you said, uh, what means the most is is the place from your heart that that the that the language or that the words are coming from, the attitude behind it means so much more. Um, but I also feel very, very strongly that uh, for those people in a position of, of uh, control or a position of power um, or, or a position of uh, um, being a role model, that we use uh, positive language as much as possible um, because we are, uh, we are role models. So I will always use very positive language and very um, positive words to describe people with disabilities. That's great. So if, um, if there's one thing or, or, or more that you'd like people, let's say, to do differently in some way, 
um, when interacting, or whether it's work or otherwise, um, persons with disabilities, wh what would you say? Well, for those people who have not had an opportunity uh, to interact with or, or, um, or work with people with disabilities, the one thing that everybody needs to remember is that people with disabilities are just people. Um, it just happens to be that is the physical package that they come in, um, but in all the ways that really matter, and that is that we all get hungry, we all get tired, uh, we all need to love and be loved, we all need to feel that we have value. And in all those important ways, we are exactly the same. So just remember that people with disabilities are just people. Well said, Diane. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me, and I would strongly encourage people, if they get a chance, to go to the Freedom at Depth Canada website. And uh, it's very impressive to see the pictures. They've even got videos of people down there, and being that I've only done it once myself and didn't do it very well. <laughs> my, hearing, my hearing has been restored. I was just at the doctor yesterday, and he says I've got good hearing. Um, but for people who are not familiar with it, it might be an inspiration whether you're an able-bodied person or a person with a disability to take on either scuba diving or many other things that lots of us didn't think about. So, Diane, thanks very much. I greatly appreciate having this conversation with you. Thank you very much for the opportunity.